Hello everyone, welcome back to Resonant Frequencies. Got an interesting show for you today, let's get things started off in space. Alright, so seeking to slow the emerging space arms race among the world powers, the Biden administration on Monday announced a unilateral moratorium on anti-satellite missile tests, calling on other spacefaring nations to follow suit. Vice President Kamala Harris announced the U.S. prohibition after high-profile tests in recent years by Russia, China, and India that obliterated orbiting satellites and created hazardous clouds of debris that will linger in outer space for decades. Anti-satellite, or ASAT, weapons testing goes back to the earliest days of the Cold War. Over the past decade, however, the U.S., Russia, and China have developed sophisticated anti-satellite arsenals designed to render satellites deaf, mute, and blind in space. Missiles may be the most widely known space weapon, but several nations have developed other measures including lasers, jamming capabilities, cyber attacks, and maneuverable spacecraft designed to deceive, disrupt, deny, degrade, or destroy other nations' space systems. Unlike during the Cold War, when the U.S. and Russia established numerous treaties and agreements to limit the size and capabilities of nuclear weapons and their delivery systems, there has been little movement on space weapon diplomacy. The Biden administration is hoping that declaring a self-imposed ban on debris-generating ASAP missile tests, other nations will follow. On November 15, 2021, the Russian military conducted an ASAT test that underscored the vulnerability of objects in space. A ground launch missile blew apart a Soviet-era intelligence satellite called Cosmos 1408 that had been defunct for years. The explosion scattered more than 1,600 pieces of the satellite. As the clouds of space garbage spread, American, German, and Russian astronauts aboard the International Space Station were instructed to pull on their spacesuits and take shelter in preparation for a possible impact. Luckily, the debris never came close and the astronauts remained safe, but the event highlighted the dangers posed by ASAT tests. Objects in space travel up to 17,500 miles per hour, which means that a fragment as small as a tennis ball could prove to be catastrophic to the space station and satellites that are vital to the global economy, military infrastructure, and modern life. Alright, moving things on to world news. So, a tiny island chain in the South Pacific has Western government scrambling after it agreed to a security pact with China um, that the United States and its allies fear could enhance Beijing's military power in the strategically important region. The deal between China and the Solomon Islands, a nation of 700,000 people, posed a serious risk to a free and open Indo-Pacific officials from the U.S., Australia, Japan, and New Zealand said in a statement on Wednesday. Officials have been expected to warn Sagavar against the deal, the details of which have not been publicly discussed. But that was preempted days before his visit when Beijing and Honiara announced they had already signed it. According to a draft leaked online in March, the deal allows China to send police and armed forces to the Solomon Islands to assist in maintaining order, and Chinese warships to make stopovers um, there as well. The deal is a game-changer, said Anna-Marie Brody, a Chinese expert and the University of Canterbury in New Zealand. 
The U.S. is the main target of this move, as it aims to counter U.S. containment strategy in the Indo-Pacific. But it also directly threatens the security and autonomy of the island states of the Pacific, as well as Australia and New Zealand. Among their concerns is that the deal could enable China to set up a military base, its first in the Pacific, less than 1,300 miles from Australia, whose relations with Beijing are at their lowest point in years. The Solomon Islands also sit on key shipping lanes between the United States and Asia. So for our U.S. story, um, a Colorado man set himself on fire in front of the Supreme Court on Friday, um, which was Earth Day, in a protest against climate change. The Metropolitan Police Department of Washington, D.C. said that when Bruce, 50, of Boulder, Colorado, had died on Saturday from his injuries after being airlifted to a hospital following the incident. Uh, these names. Kriti Kanko, a climate scientist at the Environmental Defense Fund and a Zen Buddhist priest in Boulder, said that she is a friend of Mr. Bruce and that the self-immolation was a planned act of protest. Dr. Kriti wrote on Twitter early Sunday morning saying that this is not an act of suicide. This is a deeply fearless act of compassion to bring attention to a climate crisis. Mr. Bruce had set himself on fire at the plaza in front of the Supreme Court at about 6.30 on Friday. A video posted to Twitter by a Fox News reporter showed the National Park Service helicopter landing in the plaza to airlift Mr. Bruce to a nearby hospital. Mr. Bruce, who identified as a Buddhist, set himself on fire in an apparent imitation of the Vietnamese monks who burned themselves to death in protest of the Vietnam War. A Facebook account that Dr. Kriti identified as Mr. Bruce's had commemorated the death of Thich Nhat Hanh, an influential Zen Buddhist master and anti-war activist who died in January. The press spoke then of suicide, but in the essence, it is not. It is not even a protest, Han wrote um, of the monks, adding that to burn oneself by fire is to prove that what one is saying is of the utmost importance. There is nothing more painful than burning oneself. To say something while experiencing this kind of pain is to say it with the utmost courage, frankness, determination, and sincerity. It's really tragic that he felt the need to take his own life to get people to pay attention. For uh, Huntsville's local news, um, they'll be having a second tattoo event this year. This one's going to be called Hunts Vegas. Um, it's going to be hosted at the Von Braun Civic Center July 15th through the 17th. Awesome days. Uh, it's recommended that you book in advance with your artists, although they will be allowing walk-ins. And this week's weather forecast, so we're going to be starting off with warm to mid-80s. Um, we got a chance of thunderstorms on Tuesday, and uh, an expected temperature drop is going to follow that, probably bring us down into the 60s. Um, and then after that, it's just going to be a slow, gradual climb back up into the 80s for the weekend. And for the crypto segment this week, um, so there was a recent development. Uh, roughly $2.7 billion in Bitcoin was recovered from a wallet linked to Silk Road. Um, this was a wallet that was a part of the Silk Road hack in 2013 and will be used to wipe out the debt owed to the U.S. government by the creator of Silk Road, Ross Ulbrich. More than $183 million is owed by Ulbrich in fines from illegal sales undertaken via the dark web platform. Prosecutors canceled this debt under one essential condition, 
and that was the Justice Department appears to have made a deal with Ulbricht to avoid any claim he might have to the money. In exchange for Ulbricht's agreement to waive any ownership um, he would have to the Bitcoin, they would use the Bitcoin to pay off his restitution uh, in its entirety. Which I'm not saying is that great of a deal because <laughs> he owed $183 million and it looks like that Bitcoin, uh, which was... 69,370 Bitcoin, which, like I said earlier, is worth about $2.7 billion, so it's kind of a bad deal in my opinion. Uh, the 24-hour volume for Bitcoin currently sits at around $16 billion, so if the U.S. were to sell off the confiscated treasure trove, um, it would account for an increase of about 19% on the daily volume. Uh, the most common way for the U.S. government to sell off their seized Bitcoin is through the U.S. Marshal Service, uh, with their most recent sale being in February 2020 of 4,000 Bitcoin. Uh, right now, the Bitcoin price is coming in at 39250 Alright, so for the positive story, a teenage treasure hunter who combs river bottoms with a heavy-duty magnet pulled a safe containing a few thousand dollars and he captured hearts online after returning the money to its rightful owner. George Tyndale was scouring the river Witham in Grantham, Lincolnshire, with his dad when he made the incredible discovery three weeks ago. They followed a trail of clues to track down the cash's owner, a businessman whose safe was stolen 22 years ago. The father and son were surprised to find $2,500 of Colorful Australian dollars, which is valued around $1,800 U.S. Also inside were a certificate and expired bank cards that gave the magnet fisherman enough information to track down the owner. The kind-hearted pair visited him last week at his business in Grantham to return the stolen property. Um, the gentleman said that he was just amazed that they had been able to track him down. Uh, there's some really nice and good people in this world. They could have kept the money and said that they attempted to get a hold of me, but they wanted to return the contents and the goods to the rightful owners. And I think that says a lot about humanity um, to go through all that trouble. And then after seeing the video where George does a quick calculation regarding the stack of currency, Ron realized that the fisherman is also a good mathematician. He said, what is good about this is I also run a wealth management company and I'd love for him to work for us one day. Turns out, uh, giving that 1800 bucks back might have landed him a pretty good-paying job in the future. So, props to him. Karma coming back around, so that's, that's nice to see. So, for the interesting fact of the week, the Spanish Magellan Elcano expedition of August 1519 to the 8th of September 1522, started by Portuguese navigator Ferdinand Magellan and completed by Spanish navigator Juan Sebastian Elcano after Magellan's death was the first global circumnavigation. Alright, for the comedy segment, uh, I got a quick little joke and then a little little longer one. So, uh, I'm getting so sick of millennials and their attitude. Always walking around like they rent the place. A doctor goes out and buys one of the fastest cars on the market. A brand new McLaren. He takes it out for a spin and stops at a red light. An old man on a moped looking about 100 years old pulls up next to him. The old man looks over at the sleek, shiny car and says, What kind of car you got there, sonny? Doctor replies, A McLaren P1. Cost me over a million dollars. It's a lot of money, said the old man. Why does it cost so much? 
because this car can do over 200 miles an hour, says the doctor proudly. Moped driver says, mind if I take a look inside? No problem. So the old man poked his head in, looked around, and sat back on his moped. It's a pretty nice car, all right, but I'll stick with my moped. Just then the light changes, so the doctor decides to show off and show what his car can do. He floors it, and within 12 seconds, the speedometer hits 150. Suddenly, he notices a dot in his rearview mirror. What is that? And then suddenly, whoosh, something whips past him going much faster. What on earth could be going faster than my McLaren, the doctor asks himself. He floored the accelerator and takes it up to 175. Then, up ahead of him, he sees it's the old man on the moped. Amazed that the moped could pass his McLaren, he gives it more gas and hits almost 200 miles an hour. He's feeling pretty good until he looks in his mirror and sees the old man gaining on him again. Astounded by the speed of the old guy, he floors the gas pedal and hits it to its max, hitting about 217 miles an hour. Not even 10 seconds later, he sees the moped bearing down on him again. The McLaren's flat out. There's nothing else he can do. Suddenly, the moped plows into the back of his supercar, demolishing the rear end. The doctor hops out. Unbelievably, the old man's still alive. He runs up to the mangled old man and says, Dude, is there anything I can do for you? The old man whispers, Unhook my suspenders from your side mirror. Oh, man. Uh, Inspirational quote. So, uh, a person who trusts no one cannot be trusted. And that's by Jerome Blattner, which who knows if he's actually the first person that said that. (laughs) Spotify song of the week is Light Blue Movers by Zero Seven. Thank you so much for tuning in again. I love you guys, and I'll see you next week.